me. Welcome to Wonderland. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Hello, welcome to the Alone in the Dark podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mike. How's everybody doing? Um, Matt, episode two, we made it. Second verse, same as the first. No. <laughs> um, well, it feels good. I think uh, we had a good response from our first podcast, and uh, yeah, we're ready to get number two started. Um, just a couple things I want to kind of mention again. Uh, we mentioned in the first podcast, but we do have a website. It's aloneinthedarkpodcast.com. And not only do we host our podcast on there, um, we also have a bunch of contributors that are writing some great horror movie reviews and horror news, um, including Matt and myself. But Matt, you haven't submitted anything yet. I have not. Well, when are we going to see something? Well, I, I told you that the other day, probably 2016 or so. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll see something from Matt soon. But, I, en- um, I enjoyed the Maniac one very much. I yeah, probably. yeah. That was great. I think that was done by, uh, well, let me mention the contributors. So besides Matt and myself, so hopefully we'll see something from Matt soon. Um, we have Nicole Andrews is from New Jersey. She's a friend of mine. She's a makeup artist, actually, really talented. Um, but she loves horror films, just like us, as well as the rest of the contributors. We have uh, Robert Butkowski, who who is uh, in a band called Plato Zorba, which is a reference from, oh, what movie is that from? I think it's 13 Ghosts, maybe, or uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's I in a really- I thought you were going to say Yul Brenner and Zorba the, you know, Zorba the Greek or something. But. No, no, it's it's definitely a reference from, uh, oh, it's going to bug me now. But anyway, he's uh, he's in this really cool like surf rock kind of instrumental band that hopefully will feature some of their music on awesome. uh, in the future. Um, he's writing for us. And then we have- uh, our Instagram friend, Christina Fiorello. Fiorello. She's an amazing person that really loves uh, horror films as well. She's writing for us. And then a uh, brand new contributor, Rochelle Charcot. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, she writes for several other blogs, but she's excited to join the team as well. So look for some great uh, reviews and horror news on our website. Please check it, check daily because you know we're trying to update it as cl- as much as possible. Yeah, look for some great news, just not mine. <laughs> Matt, you'll get something on there. Come on. Um, but anyway, so today, what are we? Uh, what are we reviewing, Maddie? What are we doing here? Well, today we're going to do uh, top five horror films that contain a major party scene in them. And how come? Why, why are we doing that? Well, because we're are, we're going to be reviewing the um, Blu-ray release of of uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah, the Scream Factory release, right? Which has been cranking out some amazing films in the past couple of years. Um, I've bought a few. You you have a couple, right, Maddie? They've been doing some really good stuff, really well, special features, uh, great things. It's almost like um, I feel like a kid again. You know, it's like that being that horror fan as a kid and just being excited to to buy something. You know, buy something that you've seen before, but almost like watching it for the first time. I feel like it's kind of cool to talk about uh, how we watched this film uh, on on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we should mention that. We actually, there's a picture of it on uh, Instagram, but um, Matt has a, a Blu-ray player, but he he couldn't figure out how to hook it up <laughs> at his dad's house. He's got an old TV. He's got an old TV. He's got multiple inputs. We didn't want to mess with his dad's TV. So I brought down, I have a projector, uh, a video projector and an old like movie screen from like uh, classrooms. And we rigged it up so we could watch the movie on the screen. So it was almost like we were watching on like a, it was like a 60 inch like TV yeah, or it was, something. It was like a huge. drive-in, like a mini drive-in. Yeah. And we had the sound rigged up. It was really cool. So it was kind of a neat way to do it. I'd almost rather watch all our movies that way, you know, it'd be kind of fun. It would. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so that was, that 
that was unique. But we uh, we sat down and watched Slumber Party Massacre, which we'd both seen before. But it was kind of neat to sort of watch this uh, Screen Factory release. Um, so we're going to review that, and then we're going to give you our top five, and uh, that'll wrap it up for for today's podcast. But anyway, let's get started with Slumber Party Massacre. No one's getting any sleep the night of. The Slumber Party Massacre. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. So, uh, so Matt, a little bit about this film. It was released in 1982, correct? Yes, it was. Um, directed by Amy Holden Jones. Yep. Who I think after this went on to do not much, but I think she was kind of famous for the Beethoven films, the, yeah. about the dog. She right? was just Jones back when she did this film, but she became okay. Holden Jones, I believe. Afterwards. Oh, okay, gotcha. I think yeah, on IMDb it lists her as Holden Jones, but yeah, Beethoven films. I don't know if there's anything else that was really crucial. Um, written by uh, Rita Mae Brown. Yeah. So the interesting thing also about the director Amy Jones, she came from the Roger Corman school. She remember she got pretty high yes. up on the ladder, and she was actually set to edit. E- where we were watching the extras a little oh, bit yeah, on, yeah. They on the mentioned Blu-ray. That. Yep. And she chose, instead instead of editing a Steven Spielberg film, <laughs> they offered her also this first thing to direct and develop the script, which is which became Slumber Party Massacre, and she took a chance on it. So I think that's kind of cool. Spielberg had just come off of Jaws and Close Encounters and The Raiders of the Lost Ark, so he wasn't really going to make it in the business, that guy. Yeah, I don't know why she made that choice. But anyway, she did, and this is the film that we can enjoy now based on her decisions. But... Um, Interesting thing I think about Rita Mae Brown, she was a known feminist, correct? Yeah, she was. I, I think there's, like you said, we always talk about this. You can read a lot into a film and you cannot read a lot into a film. You know, you just enjoy it. And there's some things about this film that are just so overbearingly feminist, but only yes. because if you want to see it that way. But there certainly are a couple of shots and we'll mention them in, in a bit that, uh, that are just blatant. Yeah, I, th- I definitely, you can see sort of things, just the, almost the way it's written. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So, Matt, what's this movie about? Just let's let our listeners know in case they haven't seen it. Well, this movie's about a girl whose parents leave for the weekend, of course. And um, she's, she uh, hosts a little sleepover at her house. And of course, there's a, um, via newspaper, you find out, because there's a paper boy delivering papers in the beginning, and you realize there's a murder on the loose. Um, and of course, he's going to end up at this girl's house where the nice... Females were having a sleepover, scantily clad. So, and I have to the the, the main girl was her name Trish, right? In the yes, Trish, uh, um, Chris, Chris, Chris. Oh, it is Trish. I believe Trish. you're right. I think Trish. It is Trish. Yes. Um, there's a scene at the beginning that's kind of funny. Um, her mom, or I think it's her mom. Her mom says something about you'll always be my baby. Yes. And then right after that, you see Trish go outside, and in the garbage, she throws a, a baby doll. doll. Yeah. So doll. yeah, so it's you know a pretty clear message you know thrown out there, almost a little too obvious, but interesting as well. Um, I think this movie goes right into it with the TNA, right? It, it absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Trish gets gets dressed in the first two minutes. Right. It's unbelievable. And then at, right after that, shortly after that, you have this shower scene. There's the post-gym shower, yes. Which, Matt, I don't know if you saw this. Was this a complete ripoff of Carrie? Like, think of the opening of, of Carrie in the shower. Yeah. It's, I think the, because I, I watched Carrie recently, the movements in Carrie, you know, it's kind of these slow sort of movements, right. dolly left and right. And in this film, Slumber Party Massacre, you see the same thing. They're in the shower and the camera's slowly dollying yeah. left and right, panning down. Yeah, um, panning down. I mean, that's the part where, you know, this is, and I'm going to get <laughs> to this. That's the T of the T. Yeah. Well, I mean, the it's A. The a. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. And you're I'm an sorry. A guy. I know you are. Um, but the camera slowly, like you said, it slowly pans across these like little mini stalls, shower stalls, and mm-hmm. you get to see you know, pretty much the top. And then they purposely, 
you know, they pan down so you can see everything, but slowly. Yeah. So it's like, we know you men are dogs. Take a good gander at this. We know you're going to, you know, you're going to love this. And so it, it, you know, and in a way they want you to get riled up. They want this to be, it, it almost overdoes it. Like, yeah, this is a TNA film and we want this, you know, to be stereotypical so we can, we know the these men dogs can come and watch it. But right. it's pretty interesting. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was kind of a unique way to get right into it. It was, you know, a little shocking, but um, interesting as well. Um, yeah, so Valerie's the new girl. Yes. Who was kind of, um, you know, not not invited, but Trish actually does want to invite her to the party. Yeah, there's a bunch of girls, right? And they all have their own little character traits. But, um, you know, Trish is the kind of the nice one that's trying to say, hey, you know, maybe we should invite Valerie. And the other girl's like, no, nah, don't do that. You're going to ruin the ruin the party. So so they don't they don't invite her. Um, the um, the killer. Um, I'd like to talk about him. A little I bit. would, too. <clears throat> Russ. Russ Thorne is his character's name. Yeah. Correct? Russ Thorne. Yeah. Played by a guy named Michael. Is it v- Villela? I think. Um this is the part that I really didn't enjoy about this film. Same here. The fact that they kind of show this guy right from the start. There's no mystery to uh, to this to this slasher film at all. Correct? No, there there isn't. And I know I know it's still to this day the only part of the film I don't like. And what's interesting is we watched the extras, and this guy was was right out of Lee Strasberg's school of acting. He was totally method, right? Absolutely. And he method. was mimicking a peacock, yes. which I thought was. Was was startling. Why choose a peacock but, with but his walk? Right. But when, for for yeah. our listeners to understand, he he watched the way a peacock walked and decided this is the way he was going to walk in the film. Right. To kind of come across as the scary slasher. Yeah. So when the camera when he kind of enters a room, the ca- the camera kind of comes almost to a real almost extreme close up. It's like just gets his head in frame, and he slowly looks this way, and he slowly looks the other way, the same way a peacock would look around. <laughs> but for this film. It, it, it's melodramatic. It's just, it's, it's forced. It's so it's, And it's not this guy's fault. I like that he tried something, you know? I thought it was cool, but I guess the director didn't turn it off. She just let him do what he wanted to do. And I get, yeah, she didn't direct him at all, I don't think. I think she just said, you know, do what you want. Or maybe he was that forceful where he said, no, this is the way I'm going to do it. And she was just too scared maybe, to tell but, him. Maybe, but you're right. It, to me, that's the part that really doesn't work. But I can overlook it for a lot of the other fun elements of it. Because honestly, Amy Holden Jones does say she shot this as a comedy. And if you're going to take it from just purely that aspect, it works. Yeah, yeah. I guess if, yeah, different music in the background. And I think, uh, one more thing I want to say about, uh, Michael Villela, um, playing as Russ Thorne is to me, he was very short, which is weird. I almost felt like he was shorter. If you put him back to back with the girls, he was probably shorter than the girls, which was oh, definitely Valerie. Cause she was tall. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I felt like it's the kind of guy you see at your local pizzeria. Like you go into your local pizzeria and he'd be the guy there. Hey, what can I get you? You know what I mean? It, yeah. It just wasn't scary for me. I, I don't know. You know, there were scary parts. No, he had him. like the buggy eyes coming out of his head a little bit, but it was, it, yeah, it wasn't really a scary thing. Yeah. A little much, a little much. That's why I'm kind of agreeing with the comedy thing. I don't see it as much as a, this is not a scary film at all. Yeah. There's, I think if you were, you know, a young kid, you'd probably be scared by it, you know, but you know, for us rewatching it, um, it definitely isn't scary. It's it's definitely more of like a schlocky kind of uh, uh, slasher film, you know, kind of making fun of a slasher film. Right. Yeah. So his first kill is on school property in the van. The um, the uh, what is it? The telephone line lady. Yeah. Which is funny. That's the one thing I wanted to mention. Every worker almost in this film is a woman. So right. you can kind of tell that uh, the feminist approach yeah. coming across here. But then again, Car- a Carrie um, reference here. The the gym teacher. That's a woman. That's kind of like you know 
the take charge and the one who looks over her, her students and stuff. It's very similar to Carrie in that. Absolutely. Too. That's what I feel like is definitely influenced from Carrie. You can, you can really smell it almost on this film. So just to stay on this for a second, we're not going to go through the whole plot here because no. they end up going to the party and, the, but just some of the things that stuck out to me, mm-hmm. um, particularly about the, the, um, the feminist aspect or the just not man hating. Cause it really isn't, you can read a lot into this, but, um, Valerie's little sister, uh, what's her name? It was, um, Oh, what was her name? I don't know. I Court, Courtney or I don't remember. So anyway, yeah, Courtney, she's sucking on this enormously huge lollipop <laughs> in a couple of scenes. And you're like, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's blatant. And when the one girl goes out to get the firewood, um, who is it? One of the girls goes out to get firewood later on and just, I mean, you can even look, analyze this in every way. I mean, the logs are just so phallic. She's just about, she's got, she's out gathering dicks to put into the fire. Well, the, the whole movie's phallic. You know what I mean? The killer's walking around with a drill. You I know mean, what I mean? Like, absolutely. come on, could That's you get more penis. phallic than I mean, that? It, it totally is. And it's not, it's not, it's hit your head obvious, but the one shot where the one girl's cowering in the garage and the drill is, lit- it's a literally a shot from be- from behind the killer through his legs and the drill is hanging down like it's a schlong. And her legs are spread, correct? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's yeah. really blatant. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I think, but on the, on the same point, they're probably snickering when they did it like, yeah, you're going to know what this is. And, I guess, yeah. It just seemed a little a little ridiculous, a little over the top. Um, what what do you, Matt, did you pick up on the use of the color red? It was yeah, like you were mentioning everything. that when we were watching the film. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you know, obviously the blood's red, so you see that flowing. But then in one scene... They form cut to the blender, she's mixing drinks. Yeah, and, they're drinking like kool-aid like red yeah. kool-aid like a lot of random red you know um there's a shot where the i think the killer leaves the barbie doll in the window to try to scare the girls yes. and it's got blood it's got dripping st- off st- it st- yes but, stains on it yeah. but not the kind of blood you're used to seeing like this sort of darker red like this really bright vibrant red you yep. know which is uh almost artificial in a way yeah it was like paste or glue almost mm. or something yeah it just didn't look you know what we're used to seeing as like a typical blood color in a horror film um what else can we say about this, Matt? The uh, the neighbor, I, I just for comedic fun, uh, Mr. Content. Mr. Think, Content. Yeah, that's what the girls kept. Mr. Content. Yeah, he's going to watch the house. Yeah, yeah okay. come on. Come and knock on our door, Matt. He take yeah. a step that is new. He like, is Larry, man. He's going to the Regal Beagle when he leaves the house. Yeah, he's got the the, the, the shirt on, you know, the, the floral shirt, the Hawaiian shirt. Definitely. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite kill is when he gets it. I think he gets it in the neck or something like that. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was waiting for him to die, too. Yeah, and that was kind of a fun, you you know, fun sort of splatter kill. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, Matt. I think all in all, this movie, I don't know what else we could say about this. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, no, like I said, I, I, I do enjoy this movie. I, matter of fact, I enjoy it a lot more now than I did when I was younger. Yeah, I think it, I enjoyed it. It kind of turned me off when I was a young younger kid. Yeah, it was a little... And not because it was scary. It's just, I, I don't know. I didn't get the black humor back then as much as I can I can appreciate it now. For right, sure. right. There's a great documentary. Uh, what is it called? Sleepless Nights. Yes. Um, and it's really cool. It's all just about the making of Slumber Party Massacre. Um, and we learn a lot of things about how the director worked on Taxi Driver and how right. she turned up the chance to edit E.T. Right. Uh, but we also learn about this actress who played Valerie killed herself at 35, which is really sad. But um, I thought, what do you think of the documentary? I thought it was pretty cool. It was very well done. Yeah, I think that's what's great about Scream, Scream Factory is they're pumping out these great, beautiful transfers, and that's the one thing about Slumber Party. It looked really, really. Yeah, nobody good. can touch them right now. No, they look. They're they're doing so many great things, and I just hope more and more films come out. Well, you I know? think there's there's definitely a, a call for them. People seem to be snatching them up, so I think they're going to keep pumping them out, which is great. But um, yeah, so I, I think that documentary was great. The film looked great. You know, I think Matt's right. I appreciated it a little bit more, but not 
one of my favorite films. You know, it's a, I bought it, so it's a film that you know if someone hasn't seen it, I'll pull it out and say, "Hey, you got to see this it's movie." It's a fun it's, party movie to put yeah, on at a party, Halloween party. Yeah, party. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, what would you rate this film, Matt? I would give this movie a B minus. B minus. Okay, I was going to say a C plus, but I'm going to give it a C. I think with the documentary, I might bump it up to a C plus. Right. Yeah, just because I like the special features are kind of cool. But yeah, it's not my favorite. It's kind of middle of the road for me. So I'd give it a C. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's our review of Slumber Party Massacre. You can uh, pick that up anywhere where you can get your Blu-rays. Um, I got mine from Amazon. Good price. Um, I have that Prime subscription, so we get that free two-day shipping, which is amazing. You order a movie, two days, you have it right in your hands. But uh, check out all the Scream Factory releases. If you go to Shout Factory's website, you can get to the Scream Factory page from there. Okay, now, uh, one thing I want to mention, we do our uh, Scream of the Week on our website, aloneinthedarkpodcast.com. And uh, what we do is once a week or once every two weeks, uh, it's kind of working out too, I'll post a picture of like a kill um, on our our website and you go there and if you click, if you know what it is, you can click on the link and email us. The first one we put up, Matt, was really hard. Like it you, was. Didn't, you didn't even know it what was it was. Obscure. It yeah. was pretty obscure. And I don't think I would have known what it was, but I posted it, so I knew what it was. Right. But it's a movie that I really hold dear and near. And um, I actually got the answer for someone on Twitter. I posted it on Twitter, and a lot of people were going back and forth. Is it this? Is it that? And I was like, no, yeah, no, I thought no, it was. Closer, closer. I thought it was Deadly Friend from Wes Craven. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. which I haven't seen. But um, yeah, so anyway, so uh, Dewan... Evie, I think it Evie from Canton, Michigan, from Twitter, got the answer, and the movie is was Hell Night, uh, which I love. I love Hell Night. It's such a great, great. Oh, it's amazing. So, anyway, so congratulations to Dewan Evie, and uh, there's a new picture up there right now. So if you go to our website, aloneinthedarkpodcast.com, guess what film that's from? Email us, uh, contact us on Instagram, Twitter, however you want to contact us. Tell what it is, and uh, on the next podcast, we'll give you a little shout out. Okay. So, Maddie, now our top five. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, let's get right into it right here. Um, top five party movies or movies with a party. So yeah, it's any movie, a horror film, slasher film, you know, haunted house movie, anything that involves a party. Like there's a party somewhere in the film, correct? Right. And it's not just like two seconds. It's a little, it's a little more, you know, it's a, no, some kind of a substantial, substantial party. Yeah. yeah. And it can be an event, a party, you know, get together, you know, something like that. So it was kind of fun. I thought this, this was really hard, Matt. I had to sort of, uh, change my list constantly. There were so many films I wanted to put in this list. But there were, uh, it was tough. You know, the the top two were easy for me, and all the rest, you know, three through five, were really hard for me. Yeah, I, um, I, I right down to the wire. But two minutes, two minutes before we started, I was shuffling mine, <laughs> still shuffling mine around. Well, I'm excited to talk about them, Matt. So why don't you start? What's your, uh, what's your number five movie? Okay, my number five film I did not see in the movie theaters, and I regret this. We did not hop and go to this like we did pretty much every other movie for the last six six or seven years okay. it's My Bloody Valentine the remake the 3D version oh. from 2009 this is the most horrific event this town has ever seen authorities are calling this the Valentine's Day Massacre in the town of Harmony something unexplainable hello is happening come here you better check this out what is it Bloody Valentine 3D. Nothing says date movie like a 3D ride to hell. Um, love, love, love this movie. Um, directed by Patrick Lussier or Lussier. 
who was um, started as an editor. I'll, I'll also talk about him later in another one of our films, which I didn't even realize when I made this list how it was connected. But he was an editor, and he um, he directed this film. And there was there was news for a while he was going to do the Halloween um, in 3D, the latest, the newest Halloween. Yes, I remember reading about that, and I was excited because I really, really enjoyed this film. And I was thinking, if he does a Halloween that looks just like that, it's going to be great. Yeah, because he did a he did a phenomenal job with this. It's written by uh, Todd Farmer and Zane Smith, and the makeup effects are by uh, Gary Tunnicliffe. Um, you know, the Hanniger Mines. It has Jensen Ackles, um, f- who plays Tom Hanniger, the son of the, mi- the mine owner, who's from uh, Supernatural. Yes, great show. Um, it has uh, Jamie King, who's just, go- she is just beautiful. She's gorgeous. Um, and it has Tom Atkins, who, who oh what needs God. to be said about Legendary Tom Atkins. Legendary Tom Atkins. Um, you got to love him in anything he does. And I cannot remember the guy's name, but um, the other guy who's kind of was Tom Hanniger's dad's right-hand man, and he, I think he like kind of runs the mine now. He's the guy um, who hires Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse to kind of run the uh, the double deuce. Really? Yeah, he's that guy, that the guy, gray-haired oh, gentleman. Funny. He's really good, but he's in this movie as well. Um, so yeah, Harry Warden. Ten years prior, there was a there was a mine collapse, and there was you know there, there was murders that had happened, and you know is is Harry, you know he's he's in a hospital. He's the only one who had survived. Um, and this we should all mention. I'm sure most horror fans know this is based on the original film. Oh yeah, uh, My Bloody Valentine, which I think came out in '81. '81, yeah. yes. And we have a special news that we'll share at the end. That's going to be our next podcast episode, but we're going to wait to uh, share that. Yeah. So the party sequence happens in the beginning um, when uh, Kerr Smith is also in this from Dawson's Creek fame. Yep. He was uh, what was his name? Jack. I think it was Jack. I think right? it was Jack as well. Wasn't he the gay brother? Yes, of, he was. Yes. Of, of that girl with the psychological problems. Yes, I can't hear her name. I can't either. We were, we were actually <laughs> Dawson's Creek fans back in the oh, day. Oh, I love it. Uh, season one. Anyway, um, so he shows up, and he's very good in this. He plays Axel, the cop, and he has um, Tom Hanniger, who is Jensen Ackles. He has history with the with the woman, um, what's her name? Sarah, yes. who is Jamie King's character. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the stuff goes down right in the beginning um, yep. of the movie. And uh, that's pretty graphic. Yeah. Um, and some of the CGI, I so much prefer practical effects, just like any horror, real, real horror friend does. Yeah, I'd much rather see practical than But I don't CGI. think the CGI ruined this movie at all. No, it was subtle, right? It, was, it wasn't too well, the crazy. Well, the, girl's, uh, the one girl's face sliding down, uh, sliding down the shovel as well, her that, body melts away. That was definitely not subtle. But that was cool, that though. I, I, did, I did dig that. Um, and I, I like I... I feel for you, Maddie, the same way. I wish I would have seen this in theaters. It would oh. have been so great. Yeah, so it, it's in, uh, it takes place. I think it's I think it's like near Pittsburgh, right? It kind of has that steel steel city mining yep. kind of a town. That's what they're kind of going for. That's what they were going for in the first film, but they shot and it's it Harmony, in Canada. It, yeah, they shot that in Canada, mm-hmm. but this isn't the, the town is Harmony. So it goes ten years later after the stuff goes down in the beginning, and you're not sure. You know, Tom is kind of left in the mind, but he actually comes back to the town because he wants it closed. He wants all this stuff closed. And meanwhile, of course, the miners who are there and who have jobs, you know, it's the lifeblood of the town. The one guy tells him, you can't do that, but he wants to close it. Meanwhile, he never closed his relationship with Sarah to begin with. Now Sarah is married to Axel. Right. And he's now the sheriff in the town. Mm-hmm. And Tom Atkins, who had been the sheriff 10 years earlier, is now retired. Um, and Harry has escaped and it is, everything's been reopened. And that scene, oh man, 
that one scene at the uh, at the motel with the truck driver yes. and that girl. Oh my god! She runs after him naked in her little high heels, and <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. And she's berating him, and he gets into his truck, and as soon as he opens the door, man, that pickaxe just right in his top of his bald dome of his head, man, <laughs> boom! Yeah, and the movie just blasts, man. It's it's pretty violent, but it, it's, it's it's really good. Well it moves done. very fast, and it's you know it's definitely more action and more sort of uh, craziness than the than the original, which was uh, which is interesting, but still kind of kept it going and kept it interesting. And the the 3D, like my 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 DVD copy has has uh, four pairs of 3D glasses, and I watch it in 3D every time. The quality kind of sucks. On the DVD, it does, right? Yeah. The, well, the th- in 3D, it kind of sucks. Yeah, because I don't think it's the 3D that they showed in the theaters. It's no, a different I mean, kind it's of just 3D. close. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's not the same. It isn't. I mean, I have part three, Friday the 13th. It's the same thing. But I, I still have when I watch it in 3D because there's some neat stuff that happens in 3D in this Absolutely. film. Especially the one kill. The guy, um, the roadhouse, the older guy, the roadhouse uh, bar owner. In, yes. He he gets this. With this um, he, the, the killer swings and the pickaxe is like stuck in the floor and part of it ha- is sticking up. So he, the killer drags his face toward the um, toward the pickaxe where it is, and you just you know he's going to just bash the back of this guy's head right. <laughs> oh, in. It is, but oh man, you're dying because you know what's going to happen. You can't even look at the screen, and you don't even see. I don't think it actually because Patrick Lussier directed, and he's an editor, so he's very clever in how, what he shows and what he doesn't show. Um, and it's very well done, but it, you're squirming in your pants when this guy's <laughs> face is being dragged. You're like, oh man, <laughs> you know it's like the curb scene in American History X with yes. Edward Norton. It's brutal, man. Yeah. But, um, very, very well done. I mean, I, lo- I really, I love this film a lot. I really do. No, it's, it's a great film. It's definitely, it was in my top 10, didn't make the top five for me, but, um, yeah, I, I really do love this film as well. I think there's a lot of great sort of, uh, gags with the 3d and the, and the kills. Um, I think the story was cool. I really liked how they switched the ending, which, you know, yes, I don't want to, yeah, they kind of switched it, you know, subtly, but it was definitely a, a like a unique twist that I thought was kind of cool. Um, Definitely worth seeing. Um, I don't own it, but I really want to. There's a lot of suspense in this a film. A lot of suspense. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it definitely has that scream kind of a feel to it, the way the music and the buildup. And mm-hmm. and it's great, man. And the one scene where Sarah's running away from the killer and she runs to the mine and you know she's ducking off frame right and you just see the killer in shadow against the side of the building of the mine and it's, he just looks enormous. I mean, it's just stuff like that I love. I love shots like that and... Oh, it's great. Like the killer is just huge. You know, he's this presence and he's this huge and he is a, literally a huge presence over this town. He casts a whole shadow over the whole town. So I love in that one shot how it kind of explains everything. You know, it's, it's beautifully done. Yeah, it's a great movie. Definitely is. My Bloody Valentine 2009. Check it out. Awesome. And I don't think it's available on Netflix streaming. It is available on Netflix DVD. Um, is it on Blu-ray? I'm not sure. I think it might be. And if it is, I'm going to buy it after yeah. this because I really, really want to own it. You should. So you're number five, Mike. Matt, my number five, this is one I threw in like last night. Yeah, I don't know about this, so let me hear it. And it was in my top ten, but I had to do it for, I want to see if you can guess it. I had to do it for a reason that there's an upcoming holiday. Okay, upcoming holiday is Easter. No, the upcoming holiday. Very, very upcoming, like next week upcoming. Oh, man, I'm so bad at this. Like one of my favorite days of the year. like April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day, Matt. There it is. We should have done a whole show on this movie. But anyway, my number five is April Fool's Day from 1986. Okay. Paramount Pictures cordially invites you to the party to end all parties. April Fool's Day. Get ready to party till you drop. 
Rated R. Uh, directed by Fred Walton, who was famous for When a Stranger Calls. Yes, exactly. And uh, written by somebody named Danilo Bach. Um, he kind of wrote the story, I think, for Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, cool. Which is interesting. He didn't screenwrite it, but story by. Score by Charles Bernstein, which I thought was pretty good. It was kind of like a unique, sort of subtle, sort of droning kind of... uh, Dramatic. Yeah. I just love this movie. This movie is loaded, loaded with 80s, uh, like, stars. Didn't I give you this DVD a couple years ago? You may have. Yeah. You may have. Um, So you have Deborah Foreman, um, who plays Muffy. Muffy, yeah. Um, she's famous from Valley Girl, right? Yes, cool location as well, right? Yeah. This film? Yeah, totally. Let me let me tell you this cast, though. Like, you probably forgot. Go ahead. Deborah Goodrich uh, from Just One of the Guys. Just One oh, of the Guys. God, oh, God, I love that movie. I, we could just have a podcast on that movie. Oh, that'd be so great. That movie's amazing. Which I just saw it's on Netflix streaming, Just One of the Guys. And Johnny from Friday Kids it. and that, right? Well, then, you, yeah. And then you have Ken Olant, Ol- 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 who's from Summer School. He plays like the jock from Summer School. <laughs> yes. I just like I can't believe the people in this film. You have Clayton Rohner from Just One of the Guys. He was like that sort of like kind of nerdy punky guy in, in uh, Just One of the Guys. Yes. And then you have Thomas Wilson, obviously from Back Thomas to the Future. Thomas Wilson, yeah, please, Biff, yeah. And then loving, loving, loving this Amy Steele from Friday Part yeah, Two. Yeah, I know. Come on, Maddie. I, I know. This is loaded, loaded with these stars. Um. This the premise of this film is so great. It's a group of nine college students staying at a friend's like island mansion um, that they were invited to for like a party, and they begin to fall victim to unseen murders over April Fool's Day weekend, which is like such a cool premise. Like it is. this movie reminded me of that show Harper's Island that it, we really oh, liked. Absolutely, yeah. People are on this island; they're kind of trapped, and like things start happening. It's so cool. Yeah, such Harper's a great, Island definitely got their idea from this. Such a great premise, but so many clever things. Um, I don't want to give this movie away because if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it because the ending alone uh, has such a cool twist to it. It does, like a double twist almost that you really think you've got to figure it out and you have no clue what's going on. It's one of those one of those pictures, but. Really cool, really cool score. Really cool. Like the acting's great. The location's amazing. You know, they're on this remote island. Yeah, it had a budget for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a big production. I think, I think I have the, uh, the, yeah, the, the box office or the, yeah, budget? I think it, it costs like $5 million to make and they grossed about 12 and a half million. So they, okay. they doubled their, their, you know, their budget, which is great. So sure. they did a good job. I think because of the, you know, the people they had in, and even though they were all, a lot of them were no names at the time. Um, but, I, I don't know. I don't want to say too much about this film because I think it's worth just going to check it out. But um, I, I really, really love it. And the cover is fantastic. It's the girl facing her friends, but then yeah, she's behind got her, she's noose. got the yeah, that's she's great. got a noose behind her back. That's great. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely worth seeing. I think uh, you'll really enjoy it if you like uh, a film with a nice twist at the end and you you want to kind of keep guessing all the way through. It definitely has that kind of murder mystery kind yeah, of feel to Yeah, happy birthday to me kind of a little bit yes, thrown in. Yes, yes. But uh, I love this film. So that's April Fool's Day from 1986. That's my number five. Very cool, man. Matt, let's get on to number four. What, what do you got for number four? Oh, number four. This this film is kind of a... not. It's not new, um, I just remember um, sitting in your store watching this trailer, waiting for this film to come out, Mike, and it never came out in the theaters. What movie am I talking about? You're talking about Trick or Treat. I man. am. We were so excited for this film. We wanted to see it in theaters. Do you remember being just nailed to the floor watching how great this trailer was? This trailer was so amazing. It was like, this is the movie I've been waiting for all my life. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. 
Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. <laughs> sorts of things. Roam free. Sorry. All these traditions. Wait, wait. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Ancient tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. You look great. What did we do now? We meet our dates. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? The Halloween school bus massacre. Started to protect us, but. Morning, guys. How are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? <laughs> Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. Yeah, it, 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 Mike and I are obviously we're huge Halloween fans. It's kind of binded us in love over horror for all these years, for yeah. 20, 20-something years. Just kind of the, thing. the holiday, yeah, we just love it. But written and directed by Michael Doherty, 2007. Um, Brian Singer actually is the producer on this film, so it definitely had some love oh, in the yeah. producing. Um, but it's so... It's the perfect Halloween movie. It really is. Like, even probably more than, you know, definitely more than Halloween as far as the, the scenes and the decoration and the... It's beautiful. Every scene bleeds Halloween. Every single frame has something. A pumpkin. The that, detail. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I want to live in this town, Maddie. Yeah. I want to live in that town where they have this huge party every year. And you know what I love about this? I, I, lo- I, do, lo- I do have a love for um, anthology films where they, like Creepshow, that have the wraparound story. They, you know, they start with the kids, uh, the bully kids, and it goes to one yep. story, and then the comic is flipping and it goes to this doesn't all these characters are so interwoven that there really isn't a wraparound story in this movie because it flashes to an earlier earlier on and you know these people are already dead or something and you see them again before it happens and the characters run into each other it's brilliantly written it's like a cool anthology sort of you know every story wraps in in and out it's it's really clever i mean the commercial the way it starts off with that black and white commercial is it's the great it sets up everything it's it's so it's I was so excited to see this and it was such a letdown to to wait and wait and wait like that scene and then the scene in like Halloween three season of the witch when the, they show the kids all right before the, oh, the, the end the where they're silhouette. walking across yes, yes. It's just, that's what it reminded me of a little bit yeah I I was blown away by the detail like we were talking about before with they really set this this up to make it really feel like it was Halloween like and the, everything felt like oh it. and the opening scene with Leslie Bibb uh, in her tin Tin Man costume I believe and she yes. comes home and that whole scene with the with the sheets hanging and the and she's she wants to take the stuff down now yeah, she wants the to take decorations down, and and the yeah. guy wants to get it on you know so he goes and. <laughs> to get the bondage stuff on because he thinks he's going to get lucky. That whole scene is intense, It's man. really amazing, yeah. But uh, Warren Valley, Ohio is the setting for this movie. Is that where um, they filmed it? I, I think so. Okay. Um, long tracking shots are just beautiful. I mean, I love that we love these. Uh, it's so cinematic, this film. It's not afraid to let the shot linger. You know, it's, no. not, it's not cutting it up like, you know, watching like, you know, Michael Bay movie or something. It's just really, really well filmed. And I, I, I don't know if you'd agree, Matt, but I, I would say there's not a bad actor or actress in this film. No, Everybody is really, really top notch and well, does a great job. <laughs> Dylan Baker. This guy, I can't say enough about this guy. He is the creepiest. He's the, he's the, um, he's prince, like the principal, principal Wilkins. Right? Yes, yeah. Yes. And he shows up in other ways in this movie that I'm not going to talk about. Yes. 
But um, he is the creepiest guy because he also played that pedophile in that Todd Salons movie. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. You know, where he takes the kids out for ice cream or pizza <laughs> or something and they have sleepover. And it's the, he's the creepiest dude. Oh. I don't know how, he, this, how Dylan Baker walks around the street. Like, people must look at him and they must think he is the craziest. <laughs> I mean, he, but he inhabits his character so well. I yeah. Mean, and he does a great job in this movie. Yeah. And he definitely overacts a little in this movie, but it's perfectly suited to his character. But it's like, movie. it's like a, almost like a comic book. It felt like comics, sort of. You know what I mean? It was just like a little over the top, but I felt like it fit with this film. It did. And I'm not going to say anything too much about the film, but I, I mean, anytime you a child is killed on film, you know this. Yeah, you know this fucking movie is serious. You know? I, I think that was the only part that sort of bothered me. But it, you know, once you sort of get into it, you realize it all make kind of made sense and kind of went with with what was going on. What yeah, was and the character of Sam, how he shows up in all the different stories. That little Sam dude. I mean, I yes. love how he connects. You know, he's yeah. the thread. He's the thread. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can't say enough about this. The second, um, the story, if you will, which is the the kids with the school bus accident. That flashback. It's one of it's the so simplest, so but the creepy. costumes, yeah, the costumes that the, the, the you know, the mentally challenged and the, the disturbed kids are wearing and just the whole backstory with the bus driver was paid by the parents. Like, yeah. it's just, it's amazing. It's, it reminds me, you ever see those like vintage Halloween photographs? Like if you Google oh, yeah. that, like it's, you get the creepiest, it's just kids in a neighborhood getting ready to go out for Halloween, but these, these masks that they have on are always so eerie. And that's what this scene reminded me of. Everything is just so authentic. You can't help but love this movie. No, it's a movie that I look forward to watching, you know, a couple times a year. But when Halloween comes around, I cannot wait to throw that on and watch it and watch it with people that haven't seen it. Because there's so many people I talk to that really like horror movies that have not seen this film. It's really sad, Maddie. They they have to see this film. It's definitely... It is. It's, it should be in everyone's collection. It should. So, uh, like I said, I don't, I'm not going to go on about it. I could go on all day No, about I don't want to give any of these movies away because I think these are the kind of films that maybe someone will listen to this and say, hey, I have to check this out. I do want to give another shout out that Anna Paquin is in the one sequence, yes. which I do not want to ruin and I won't ruin. Yeah, which was great. That that threw me for a loop. Totally. Yeah. And it's great. And then the great Brian Cox yes. um, is Mr. Krieg, who I'm not going to tell how he fits in the story either, but he is great in this He's movie He's amazing well. too. That's what I'm saying. The acting in this film is unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So, my number four is solidly... Probably might even. I, I actually had it number three earlier. Um, and I'm going back and forth, but trick or treat, check it out if you haven't. It's great. All right, Maddie. My number four is a movie that I know you and I both love. I probably like it a little more than you. Um, from 1997, I had to add this to my list. I know what you did last summer. Oh, man. I, I love this movie. For the last year, four friends have kept a secret. Are you on drugs? No. Well, then what is wrong? I've had a rough year. But not all secrets. Stay buried. Somebody sent this to me. Oh, my God. Someone knows. I know what you did last summer. Ooh. What they thought would be a new beginning. Toast to us. Is becoming a dead end. Somebody tried to kill you last night. We have to go to the police. If you wanted me dead, he could have done it. And the mistake they made. It was an accident. There was no accident. It was murder. What if he's still alive? Hey! What are you doing here? Is coming back to haunt them. Oh, my God. He's after me, too. I got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Ah! Julie gets a body in a trunk and you get a letter? That's balanced. He's waiting for us to unravel. The wait is over. I know what you did last summer. This this movie, you know, this came out right after Scream, you know, pretty much. And I I, I read that actually 
Kevin Williamson was penned to do the script even before Scream came out. It was shortly after he had sold uh, Scary Movie, the script for Scream. Um, and then, you know, somebody hired him to do uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Well, Teaching Mrs. Tingle was in the mix. He was actually doing that all the while. He put that on the back burner, which is actually a Lois Duncan. Yes. Which is actually Lois. This, film, this is Lois so Duncan, So it's all tied too. in through yeah, that. Yeah, which Kevin is interesting. Williams. So he's a big fan. I, I'm obsessed with Kevin Williamson because he's a fan, just like all of us. Yeah, he he is. is like a huge horror movie fan. Um, you can just feel it, you know, and I, I just you can see it with his writing. He's, he's amazing. So when this film came out, we rushed to see it because we were huge fans of Scream. Um, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought the, the setting was amazing. I love this sort of small town, like seaside kind of feel. So reminds me, I don't know if it reminds you, it reminds me of Highlands, which is right next to where we are right now. We're actually uh, recording this podcast in my house in Atlantic Highlands. Um, Highlands is like this really sort of lower middle class, you know, seaside kind of harbor town. Yeah. It totally reminded me of that. I it love a, that. It has a little bit of a Newport, Rhode Island feel to it. Yeah, it does. It's got that sort of New England. I think it's it was filmed in down in the Carolinas. Carolina, yeah. But, uh, you know, I know Williamson grew up down there and that he kind of based like a New England sort of Carolina. It was all kind of mixed together. But beautiful setting yeah um cool story you know about these kids um these kids that sort of have this hit and run um you know they hit they hit this guy in the road and they try to ditch his body the guy comes back to life and they they just get rid of him because it, it's the, prom night all over again it is prom night basically it's a new version of yep, prom let's night. not tell anybody yeah yeah let's not tell anyone let's you know we're gonna get in trouble because we hit this guy we're all young we want to live our lives so they get rid of this guy a year later comes back um they get a note that says i know what you did last summer and this sort of spurs you know this this group of uh four kids and and their fear of of who this is and what's going on people start dying uh, all this stuff starts going down. It's crazy. And it's all based around the 4th of July in this town, Croker, this fictitious town. And they have this big festival, Croker The Croker Fest. Festival, yeah. yeah. Which which Sarah Michelle Geller wins and becomes the queen, Croker, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, she was the queen. Croker queen, yeah. Yep. And then she has to go back to give her crown up. And it's all based around this event. Um, but such a cool, like, whodunit kind of film. I love those films where you don't know who the killer is. You're trying to figure it out the whole time. Really, really well done. I think when you find out who it is, I don't want to spoil it. I'm sure most people have seen this, but when you do find out, it's it's kind of a, a cool twist. It's kind of like a neat, you know, you didn't see it coming, and um, I didn't see it coming. Did you see it coming? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. I, they, they, were, they definitely did a good job of twisting it around. Yeah, and the red herrings were thrown out there all over the place, which was kind of cool. I think Kevin does a good job with that. Um, one of my favorite kills in this movie is uh, there's this character, Max, who's sort of like a friend. I was, of, if, I was just going to say, can we talk about the cast? Because Johnny Galecki is my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. Movie. He gets it so bad. Um, the killer is like this guy in like a fisherman's like uh, outfit, right? Right. He's got like this black fisherman slicker. Yep. And he's got like that typical fisherman like hat that kind of covers your face, you know? Yep. Um, He's the first one to get it, I believe, and he's work. He works like in a like a fishing depository, or you know, yep. like. And all of a sudden, you see the killer come in, and his weapon of choice is like this, like crazy, like hook, right? It's like this, like fishing hook. The fish hook, yeah. He comes up underneath uh, this character, Max, gets him under the chin through his neck, and then picks him up and slams him on a table. Yeah, and then drags him across. Oh, it's, my God. It's an awesome kill. It really it's pretty, is. It's pretty graphic. You know, I'm surprised the MPAA. I'm sure maybe they cut some frames out of there or something, but really, really intense but kill. I, it is. And, and Johnny Galecki, right before this happens, is like flipping out on um, on uh, what's-his-name's character. Uh, yeah, uh, Ryan Philippe. No, no, no. Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's he's like, you scene. fucking, like he's flipping out. I, I mean, it's, 
he, you want him to, but at the same time, you don't want him to die because you just want him to be around to just keep calling like Freddie Prince Jr. a fucking pussy and stuff. It's so great. <laughs> it's cool. I think the music in this film, it, the soundtrack is great. Oh, I, the soundtrack. Yeah, it's really good. You got, uh, was it Cool Shaker doing Hush? Oh, that, which, that's oh, phenomenally so cool. good. This really cool good. soundtrack. And I, it, I don't know. I feel like any movie Kevin Williamson does has a good soundtrack, even if he writes it. You know, it's it's amazing. This is such a mid to late '90s soundtrack. It's really and good. And what's the opening? It's Summer Breeze. Who did that's who did, what a typo negative. Typo negative. Doing yes. Summer Breeze. Oh, I wanted great. to talk about that because that shot. It's like a helicopter shot. Oh, it's beautiful. That goes on for like three minutes. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It kind of it, they filmed it up in Northern California, a little bit north of uh, San Francisco. I yeah, think. Yeah. So Jennifer Love's uh, boobies were freezing a little bit. <laughs> but this shot, this heli shot, where they sort of they kind of go across the the ocean and then they land on this one character that sort of sets up the story. Oh, it's like beautiful. The boyfriend. It turns, it turns around and goes yeah. like, yeah. And they literally, like I listened to the commentary the other day and the director was saying how they would have got closer to this this actor who was sitting on this like cliff, you know? But there was like power lines that the, the helicopter had to go under to get the shot. Is it, is it Jim Gillespie? He's Australian or something, right? Yeah, I think he's Australian. Yep. Yeah. Really amazing shot. I haven't seen a shot like that in a long time. Oh, Beautiful. Uh, high production value. Yeah. Yeah. They, and he made it work like really well. Unbelievable. So this is just def- a big budget sort of mystery slasher movie that's really, really well done. Um, love Kevin Williamson's writing. Really clever sort of dialogue. You know, his right. dialogue is just flows and it's just kind of fun. Um, cool twist at the end. Cool atmosphere. Everything about it's great, I think. Yeah, I enjoy this film a lot. I mean, I think you underestimate how much I do like it. I do enjoy it. Well, um, it had to be in your top 10, I'm sure. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. For, I was probably in the top seven, believe it or not. Great. Um, but don't see the sequel, whatever you do. Yeah, the sequel's, oh, God. The sequel awful. is, is God awful. It's, it's atrocity. It's an atrocity. It's so bad. It's like, I almost was like, after watching this one again, I was like, maybe I should watch the sequel again. And then no, I was like, no, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't no. do it. <laughs> don't. So that's my number four, Maddie. I know what you did last summer. All right. What's, uh, what's your number three? So my number three is Prom Night from Ooh, 1980. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom Night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. It was number two, but I made it number three. So prom night, 1980. I mean, what can you say? This this essentially is the uh, blueprint of I know what you did last summer because Kevin Williamson, one of his favorite horror movies, one of his favorite horror films is Prom Night. Yes, so, you know he's very open about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and directed by Paul Lynch, um, writer William Gray, and music is by Paul Zaza and Carl Zitterer. It takes place in an old abandoned building, and it's it's with children in the beginning in the opening scene, and I think later on. I was paying attention here. It seems like it's a school, but I believe it's a convent. It's an old convent. I oh, really? They referenced that, and I was trying to pay close attention because I left the blank in my notes, and I'm like, it looks like a school. Looks like it could have it been does, a, I thought a psychiatric a hospital or a hospital or something. But it's a. I think it's a convent. Um, yeah. So they're playing the killer game. The you know, killers are coming. Killer, and it's pretty freaky. The beginning of this movie. I remember seeing it as a young kid. It's, These kids just look mean and nasty. And the way they, they talk, the killer is coming. Yeah. It's I mean, freaky. Matt, I don't know if... I think I told you this. I used to play this game over at my friend Kevin Carroll's house, and we used to call it The Game. 
and I think it was based. We on, played it. Remember, you oh, hiding, you played it with me, hiding in the leaves. You scared the shit out of me. That well, this time. is great. This I have to tell the listeners this. This game is awesome. We and it's like you think about it now. We could have been shot by like <laughs> cops. We used to go to my friend Kevin Carroll's house and play this game called the game. And one of us would put on like a Michael Myers mask, and the rest of us would all go run and hide in this neighborhood at like <laughs> at like one in the morning, and. Michael Myers, whoever's Michael Myers would walk around and try to like scare people, like the other players. Hide in the neighbor's doghouse or something. Oh my God, we'd be like in someone's backyard. You know, it was crazy. I don't know what we were thinking and how I'm not dead now, but it was like, it so reminded me, it was based on watching Prom Night because it was just feeling scared and putting yourself in a horror movie without it actually being a horror movie. Oh, but man. anyway, Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry. I no, didn't mention that. No, so you, you know this movie as well or better than I do. Oh, I love this film. Um, so, you know, the kids... After um, an accident happens and a girl is, falls out the window when they're playing the killer game. And um, so the four of them swear to not tell anybody. Yeah, and, and they run away. And they ride off on their the bikes. The girl's dead yeah. and yeah, and, and that's then, it. Yeah, and then six, cut to six years later. The family is grieving. They're by the, the dead girl's gravestone. And it's Jamie Lee Curtis is the older sister. Yep. And um, Leslie Nielsen as the dad. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, the dad and principal <laughs> of the school. And... Um, Alex, who's the brother, mm-hmm. and then the mom, who you don't really see too much of. She's just kind of like a psych, a, an emotional wreck. Like yeah, the whole she's she's not she's not developed after six years. Yeah, she's just not even developed really in the in the film at all. But you know, so these the four kids now who are now getting ready for their prom, their senior prom, uh, all receive phone calls in a very very cool sequence. The music is so creepy in these film um, in the phone call scenes. And, you know, you see a close-up of pencil being tapped against that the, scene the pad. and freaked me he, out as a kid. Yeah, me too. And he's got the names on there. And when he doesn't get a hold of Nick, when he walks out and doesn't answer the phone, he's violently crossing out the name. Yes. Oh, man. It's, it's just it's very, very cool. Yeah. It's really cool. So, and, and there's some indelible characters in this movie. Um, who is it? Jude doesn't have a date. Jude, the girl. And um, she's walking. And who shows up in his van? Oh, love. His deck pimped out, like... Van is slick, man. Seymour Crane. Seymour Crane, slick, man. Call me slick. He's this fat nerd, and he is so cool, though, this He's guy. He's awesome, yeah. Um, so anyway, she ends up going with him to the prom. Um, there's a whole backstory about Wendy, who's the bitchy girl, used to go out with Nick, but now Nick is with Kim and Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and Wendy wants to get back at them. Like, she thinks there's still something going on, but Nick keeps blowing her off, saying, no, you know, it's over, just let it go. Yeah, she wants revenge because she feels, you know... Yeah, so she gets... The aid of Mr. Lou. <laughs> what can you say about Lou? He's he's the guy who slaps people's asses in the hallway. He is like smoking typical. a cigarette in oh, the in, right in the middle of high school. I love that. It's so crazy. I mean, he is the bad boy, and and um, he is the funniest, funniest one of the funniest characters in horror history. I think if you really think about it. And this one definitely has the whole Laurie Strode thing. It has the whole um, you know if you're if you're a virgin you'll be okay, and if you're promiscuous you will fucking die. Um, it definitely follows that formula for sure, but it's very well done. The only thing that's not is it doesn't look great, especially on DVD. And my version, I don't have. You have the Anchor Bay '97 yes. version. I have the 2000 version. I don't know who released it, but the film is sped up, so you lose like a couple of minutes, like significantly. That's so weird. Can you tell it's sped up or no? Not really. It's pretty subtle. Interesting. Um, yeah, no. I, I even the Anchor Bay transfer is is horrible, and I don't think this film's on Blu-ray yet, which would which would be a great one to get out. Yeah, there. Yeah, they should clean it up and make it look better. But it, it's it's such a good such a good movie. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So the subplot with uh, Leonard Merch. The only reason I think it exists is because they're planting. Um, they want to plant more red herring, and this film is full of them. The uh, the creepy janitorial guy that they constantly have. Yeah. What's his name, Mister? Hold on. Oh, it has an S in his t- in his name. Oh, what's God. his name? 
It's he actually, Sykes, Mr. Sykes. Mr. Sykes, yeah. Yes. And actually, creepy Mr. Sykes. Nick's dad, the cop, actually escorts because he gets drunk. He gets loaded and he actually escorts him off. So at the end, I love how one at a time they're getting rid of these. The red herring. Yes. So they, yeah. they, the one cop comes in and says, we caught Leonard Murch. So he's out of the picture. The, now, Mr. Sykes is drunk and he's useless. So he's getting kind of carted off. So I love the way this sets up all these red herrings. And then one at a time, it takes him down. You're like, well, what the hell? Yeah. Who's on? left? Right. Yeah. So we don't want to go into that. But yeah. um, if there's anybody in existence that hasn't seen this film, please get your ass to see it. Please. Oh, it's such a classic. It's amazing. And I love how I love how Lou shows up to pick up Wendy, and he's got all his buddies in the car, <laughs> and he's just beeping the horn. No, there's a great scene where he's beeping the horn, and uh, what's uh, Wendy's inside with like her mom, who looks like her grandma. It's it's, like it can't be her way. mother. It cannot be her mother. And she goes, "Who's that?" And she's like, "It's my date." <laughs> oh, it's it's classic, and and the uh, the scene with with um, I don't want to even get to it, but Slick and and Jude in the car. That's actually one of the I I have to say was one of the scariest things for me growing up. Really, because just the way. That scared the yeah, shit out of that me, voice, man. That voice. Just the way he had to say that, man. And I, that, that creeped me out. So, and Yeah, no, you have to see it. Um, if you've seen it, you love it. And uh, if you haven't, go see it right now. So what's your number three, Mike? My number three is 1980s the Terror Train. The night isn't the train. It's the terror at your throat. <laughs> terror Train. I don't want to get back Jamie Lee was very busy in 1980. Oh. I've only seen this film about once or twice. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love this film. This is uh, such a cool, another like sort of murder mystery. I love these like kind of murder mystery slasher films um, directed by Roger Spottenswood. Spottenswood. He did a Bond film, didn't he? I think he did a Bond film and he did Turner and Hooch too. Okay. Yeah, which is interesting. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and then another funny, <laughs> not really an actor, but somebody who's in here a, is a magician. David, David Copperfield, which is so bizarre, right? Yeah. And they really do focus on his magic, which is interesting. He must have had a deal like, hey, if I'm going to do this, you have to focus on my magic right. act. They make it the centerpiece somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I looked up the, uh, the the box office. They shot it for about three and a half million okay. and it made about eight million. So I think with Jamie Lee Curtis, I think it kind of helped push it along. Yeah. It's kind of has, it definitely has an Agatha Christie kind of a feel like murder on the Orient Express yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what they were going for. But anyway, the plot is it's like a mass killer targets six college kids responsible for a prank. There's a prank that kind of goes wrong at the beginning of the film. Right. And they sort of like set up this thing. They're all medical students. I think, and they set up this prank where thinks he's going to have Jamie Lee Curtis in this room and he goes into the room and there's a cadaver in the, in the bed yeah. and uh, all right and he freaks out completely freaks out and then he's sort of off you know like in you know like he's at a mental institution or somewhere nobody knows where he is and they right. sort of jump ahead in time and they, they go on this big train on I think it's New Year's uh, New Year's Eve it is yeah or New Year's Eve weekend they go on this train trip but, however it looks like Halloween <laughs> yeah everyone's in costume which yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense but right. it adds some cool kind of uh, yeah it does some texture to the uh to the film um I, I was amazed anything with that shot in a small space like a train like i wonder if they really shot this in a train it looked like they did yeah it did um how did they do it because like think of how small a train is that had to be impossible yeah it must have been some kind of a sound set a, a stage or something or maybe something. but they made it look great it looks amazing um it's kind of cool how you sort of you kind of know who the killer is, but you don't know who it is on this train. Like you can kind of guess 
it's all about revenge. Right. But you don't know, is this character on this train? And if he is, who is he? Did he, like, disguise himself? Has he changed? Is he somebody else? And you really don't know. Yeah, that's a cool premise. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But um, what's really cool about this film, and you can kind of see it on the cover, is they uh, the killer wears this, like, Groucho Marx mask, which is really creepy. Yeah, it is Groucho Marx, I think. Yeah, it? it is. And then there's another scene he's wearing, like, a, like an old man mask that's really creepy. Yes. But he kind of, the, the killer can sort of disguise himself because all these people are wearing costumes right. on this train party. Um, really cool. It's, I think, it, one of those great kind of murder mystery sort of whodunits where you're trying to figure out the killer the whole time. Really Very enjoyed cool. it. Jamie Lee's great in it. It's kind of a fun 80s slasher movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely a hidden gem. One of those films that I found, you know, in the past like 20 years and was like, wow, this is really, really great. Yeah, I got to get picked that up on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's great. Um this is uh, available on, uh, like, you, you can only get it from uh, Netflix, like, DVD subscription. It's not available on streaming. So, and, uh, yeah. But I, I don't want to talk too much about it. It's it's really, really great film. I highly recommend it. 1980s Terror Train. Maddie, right. number my, two. My number two leaped leapfrogged from, like, number four. Okay. And it's 1986's Night of the Creeps. The Night of the Formal is finally here for Chris. Cindy and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girl. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. Night of the creeps. If you scream, you're dead. Oh, nice. This movie is so much fun. Normally when I watch a horror film, I like I, I kind of like to be creeped out. I, I really kind of focus on that aspect of it. But if you can approach this movie, I know you have not seen this movie. I have not, but I'm like, you've told me about it. So this is the one that I'm excited to hear your if, review. If you can approach this with the right frame of mind, it's, it's like an action, sci-fi, zombie, horror, you know, cop film. I mean, it's, it has hit so many subgenres that I can't even, it can't be categorized. Um, it was filmed for like five million dollars, and um, it only made like five hundred thousand because it was, oh it, it, was o- it was only released in like seventy theaters. It had a very small, small, wow. small release. This movie has a huge cult following, and it's genius. First of all, the main character is Rusty from the European Vacation, not no. the original. Because obviously that's Anthony yeah. Michael Hall. Yeah, it's Rusty from European Vacation. Awesome. And um, you would written and directed by Fred Decker, who also did Monster Squad. By the way, you'd know that one. Love Monster Squad. Yep, you, you would love this movie. I mean, I am such a, uh, I want to just get this movie out there for anybody who hasn't seen it. I know a lot of people have seen it, but revisit it if you haven't. It's one I watched earlier on with my buddy, Mikey, who pretty much gave me my whole horror education when I was younger. Not, uh, Tom, not me, Mikey. This Tom Mikey. Atkins again. <laughs> Tom Atkins is in this? Again. Oh, I love Tom Atkins. Um, every character in this film has a director's name. So Tom Atkins is Detective Cameron, obviously James Cameron. <laughs> There's um, somebody named Raimi. Somebody, um, the one kid's name is J.C., um, and his whole name is, is, um, John Carpenter, I guess, John or? Carpenter Hooper, JCH, oh, are you That's swear great. to God. It's fantastic. What, so what's the premise of this film? So man? the premise is that at the beginning, there's like these weird looking alien dudes in a spaceship and there's this little canister, their experiment that flies off the ship. And then before you know it, the people are, you know, it's, it's in black and it's so cool because the beginning, there's, there's a flashback scene from Tom Atkins's past walking on the road and his girlfriend there's an escape murder and his girlfriend's being chopped up by an axe and he, he walked into that okay so he's got a lot of dark darkness around him um 
because he you knows the girl that he loves so much got killed right in front of his eyes. People are up, um, you know, on the on the point, you know, make out point or whatever, right. and you just see the light coming from the sky, and whoosh, so it lands, and then they go, you know, and then the, the the girlfriend's left there, and that's when she gets chopped up. Okay. And Tom Atkins is, you know, back in 1959 or whatever. So then it goes fast forwards to uh, Pledge Week, uh, frat, you know, frat row over oh, there. Okay, gotcha. In the 80s, and here's JC, who actually walks on on these like crutches. He's not. He's like a disabled kid. Okay. But really sharp and smart and funny. I mean. He is like the progenitor of every cool '80s kid, and like that you want to hang out with. Um, like a smart mouth, he could like put down the head of a fraternity in a second with his right. wit, with his wit and stuff. He's such an awesome. And he and Rusty, whose name is Chris, they're best friends, and they're kind of like loser guys. But so they pledge, and they they the prank that they're they, they put him up to. They say you want to get. They, they know they're not going to let him in the fraternity, but they go, oh, we'll play with you. You're going to put this prank. Go get. Go steal a dead body. From the university, by the way, it's Corman University. Um, go steal a corpse and then drop it on the um, front steps of this other frat house. We're gonna, you know, right? And they still weren't gonna let him in anyway, but they do. The um, JC and and Chris make their way down to the morgue. The corp, there's a corpse in suspended animation, and it's the guy um, that originally saw it with, with with his girlfriend who saw the um, the canister come at, come down in 1959. So he's yeah. frozen in animation, and of course they steal his corpse. He comes back to life. Oh, I see. Spits the thing into. So um, then it begins, and right? it begins, and, the, and you know, and there's a bunch of shots of people of these things, little slugs crawling around. So anyway, there's a huge party scene. They get ready for this big formal party scene, and at the house, and Tom Atkins is so like a frat party. Yeah, it's a frat okay. party, um, but it's a formal frat party. They're, okay. all, they're all getting dressed in their best and stuff. But um, it's just, I mean, the friendship. You know, what I love best, and you would like this aspect of it. It's kind of like almost like John Hughes set up the way that Chris and JC have this friendship. Because he's like, man, fuck you. You don't know what trouble is. You're just, you're just down because you, know, you can't get a girl. Look at me, man. I, I live life every day. It's, 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 and you buy the friendship. These kids are such good friends. And it, but it's really real. It's very real. Um, I don't want to spoil too much for you. That's why I'm not. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm no, gonna I, I this. definitely. This is on my uh, Netflix DVD uh, queue, so I'm excited to get this film. I'm gonna bump it up to number one after you have this. to. And the girl's name is Cynthia Cronenberg, by the way. Oh my gosh! Um, wow, throw it out there. I this movie, it's it's fastly become one of my favorite. Um, and I know I didn't dis- explain it very well just then, but I'm avoiding the details because I don't want to fill it in for you. I want you to just yeah, no, I'm excited. It sounds like uh, I like that sort of like a cool sci-fi kind of horror sort of uh, flick. It has its tongue in cheek, but there's sp- there's parts that are really really freaky and scary too. So it has everything, and it's it's so tonally right to me. That's cool. How are the special effects are they? Special cool? effects are great. Um, they're really really good. Um, so I, I can't say enough about this film. I could watch it, you know three, four, five times a year and not get sick of it. Yeah, it's definitely one that I haven't seen, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Oh, and the janitor is Mr. Minor, by the way. Oh my God, are you serious? I swear to God. That is so funny, all the references. It's great. It is great. (laughs) So enjoy, man. My number two is Night of the Creeps. Awesome. And uh, my number two, we're really not going to talk about because we already did. My number two was Prom Night. Uh, from 1980. Um, all I can say is it's like I said, it's just a great film, and it's definitely one that it's in my rotation all the time. I really enjoy it. Jamie Lee does a great job, so I'm going to skip my number two because we we discuss it to death. I feel like all right. Well, and then our number one, I think I think we kind of line up on this one, Maddie. We do. Our number one is what, Matt? It's no big surprise. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. 
I all right. Scream, nineteen ninety six. Now, Mike, the way this film opens, yes. I mean, you see dimension comes up, and then you hear the scream. Mm-hmm. You see the title card, and then you hear the phone ring. It yes. is like blast off in your face. What top two greatest openings in any film ever? Unbelievable! I like and, Indiana Jones, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening with the ball scene and the whole. That's, yeah, I mean, it's up there with that. I mean, but, I would put it. But this is like a horror movie fans movie. You it know is. what I mean? It's like the references alone are unbelievable. Um, and the story of how Kevin Williamson wrote this film, I love it. How he kind of locked him. He didn't he like rent or he was like house sitting for like someone three days or something. Yeah, right? and he wrote this in like three days, which is great. And I actually have the uh, the first uh, the first draft of Scary Movie, the script. And yeah, I, I do too. You bought it for me. Yeah, and it's such a great read. Like if anyone can find it online, it's amazing because th- there is some differences. But just to see how he came up with this in that short amount of time is it just blew me away. I mean, we we can discuss this all day, but I don't know if there's a couple things I don't know if you knew. Um, Wes Craven was approached by Bob Weinstein and uh, he was actually busy trying to do a uh, remake the haunting at that time. So okay. he was, so he was busy. Um, so they actually approached Robert Rodriguez, uh, Danny Boyle, George Romero and Sam Raimi, the director. Really? Yeah. And they all turned it down. Well, they were all, they, they all kind of focused the, the vibe I got and what I read is that they kind of read it more as a straight, as a comedy and they didn't see it as okay. the film that it could have been, which okay. was what it was, yeah. which is the great balance between the humor and the, and the scare makes sense, which, which actually Wes Craven's haunting fell through. So he actually came back into the fold and thank goodness he did. He, yeah. Cause I think Wes Craven was the perfect director for this. You know, I couldn't imagine him taking Kevin's script and, and, and anyone else doing it in a different capacity. It wouldn't, wouldn't be the same. I mean, movie. all the other directors I just mentioned are amazing in their own right. They are, but, but Wes Craven, like you said, he just matches this material. No, he d- does great. And I think the, uh, the actors in this film are perfect. You know, there's so many great things in this film that sort of aligned, you know, I think that made it what it is today. Um, yeah. yeah. A strong female protagonist. Oh my God. Yeah, it, I think Nev Campbell did such a good job as is playing Sydney Prescott. You know, she's sort of like this innocent, almost like you know a modern day Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely, going for that too. Yeah, you can tell. Absolutely, and I think you know, getting back to the opening scene, you know, the the sort of the tribute almost to Psycho. Like, let's yep. take let's take uh, you know Drew Barrymore and let's kill her right from the beginning. Right. And what does that say about the rest of the film, Mike? It's it's just like a roller coaster yeah, ride. It's you don't know what's coming. Yeah, they're going to do that. Right? Yeah, and that's the thing. And I remember you saw this with your dad. I think right. I did. And you told me, Mike, I think you might want to see this movie. And I was like, okay, yeah. And definitely. I didn't tell you jack about this movie. No, you didn't. You kept your lips like like shut completely but i remember sitting with you and you, i just kept seeing your face look at me as i was watching it you were watching my reaction and and at the end remember you were like oh you hated it huh and i did i thought you completely loathed this i'm like oh man i fucked up you and totally i forget what it. i said but i was like i'm like this is the greatest movie i've seen in like forever you know if you think about when scream came out it was kind of at that time where horror was sort of horror like was death dead yeah. it was dead in the yeah. water like what what friday the 13th came out it was nothing that? this was a lull friday was jason was dead but what, jason went to hell right there was a development hell with all these projects jason versus freddy and all but the it was shit like, that was gonna happen by that point it was so beaten to dead it was like you know comedy and like stupid everything of, was direct to video at this time for horror horror yes. was the direct to video that was the market that they were appealing to here comes scream and just completely puts it right back up into into the you know, as a respectable genre, like such a fresh approach and just amazing, you know, just comes, comes out at the right time. Yeah. The paradox of this, of the whole, this film, and this is what I wrote, I wrote down. Cause I mean, it tips its hat to so many films. There's an homage to every goddamn movie that Kevin Williamson loves. Yeah. But in its attempt to, to homage this and tribute to that, it actually takes on its own 
identity, and it becomes this wholly original piece of film. Absolutely, and, and look what it's grown into. Oh, you know man. what I mean? Like four movies. You know, and it, who knows if it's going to keep going? But I, I, I mean, think, look at Billy Loomis. I'm sorry to cut yeah, you off. Go ahead. Billy Loomis's name to begin with. Yeah, it's a homage to an homage. So yes, ha- Halloween via yeah. Psycho. It's like, but yet. Here it is, and right. you totally buy it. I mean, it's just there's so many. Like I the, go to the McKenzie's house, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like there's so many great, and I love how they make fun of Wes Craven in the film at the yeah. very beginning. Uh, Drew Barrymore says, you know, talking about Nightmare on Elm oh, Street. Well, the first one's good, but the rest suck. Isn't like, that great? Oh, I think it's great, and I think it's great that Wes had a sense of humor to say, "Yeah, of course, I get it." You know, well, because he wasn't involved with the sequence. Well, that's true, <laughs> but he started it. So, um, but yeah, I think the references alone for a horror fan are just amazing. You know what I mean? You just sort of like you just chuckle to yourself watching this film. Yeah, the tone is so good because it is so scary at times. It really too. is. It really it feels very real. It feels very real because it almost feels like you know what had sort of happened. You know, in, in some high schools, like this this could happen. You know, somebody could go out and do this sort of thing. It wasn't like that sort of fake. You know, that we were so used to with Friday the Thirteenth, where like Jason's back from the dead again. This right. was bringing it back to like, wow, this is somebody wearing a mask going crazy but in the wrong hands this could have been a disaster think about it you could i mean you could have turned dewey into one of those two assholes from uh, from halloween five so like every time the bumbling cops show up they play that stupid music with the horn clown music it's awful this movie it's somehow it balances that tone i mean one example i have is rose mcgarren's character she goes out to the garage to get the beer or whatever yes and there is the screen guy standing there the killer's standing there Mm -hmm. and she's fucking joking with him she's like all right but then in an instant you know um you know, you're going to play the big scary killer. And so he's like, he's shaking his head. Yeah. And in an instant, she totally sells that she is fucking scared out of well, her then mind. It, yeah. It turns into panic. You I know, mean, and then she's running away and she's trying to get out the garage door. And then it's like suspense again. I knew from that moment, though, that this film meant business because I was, I mean, obviously from the Drew Barrymore. You yes. Did. But right then you're like, all right, so this is, they're not fucking around. They're not playing around here. Um, and it's just so great. I mean, like you said, the psycho principal kill off the lead character, and then what's going to happen? You don't know. Yeah. Again, prom night, red herrings everywhere. Kevin Williamson oh is a modern master. Throws them herring. out there. Yeah, drops them left and right, which is awesome. I love. There's a couple shots talking about the red herring. Um, the uh, sheriff in town, you know, the older guy. Yes. There's a scene where Dewey. This is towards the end of the film. Dewey kind of comes up with some ice cream, and the girls, um, Nev and Rose McGowan, are in like the grocery store buying things for the party. Right. Um, it's kind of like the middle, yeah. Oh, the middle, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's before the party, so in the middle. But anyway, um, Deputy Dewey comes up, and he's got ice cream, and he's talking to the sheriff. They just show a scene of the, the sheriff's boots, and yes. there's a scene like earlier in the film where Nev Campbell's in the bathroom, and she overhears some girls talking about her, and then uh, they leave, and then uh, the ghost face killer right. drops slowly from one of the stalls, and you see the boots. Right. So like just that alone, just little, little, like, little tips to sort of try to like clue you in like who might the killer be was amazing. I and, thought it was great. And we, you and I talked about this after the thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to bring something up we talked about probably 15 years ago about this the double doors the way in her bedroom the oh, one door that. opens into the, uh, the little touches like that yeah man. yeah and that was kevin williamson right he had a door that did that and uh i think he used to do it to kind of like keep his parents from coming in yeah from, and her dad goes away mysteriously yes. and, and he, is, is he out vent revenging the mom's find him. i mean come on there's so many good yeah yeah and they find the car it's it just so great and uh, I I think this is a movie where we can talk about the spoilers, Maddie. If you haven't seen this, you can shut this off at this point. But I'm pretty sure everyone's seen this film. I think the fact that they had two killers at the end is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Really, really clever. It you is. Know? Um, to, to do that. So you think you got to figure it out. And then you think it's one person. You think it's the other. And you go back and forth. 
it, it really has you until that last moment when you find out it's the two. Yeah, and it's making a statement too. I mean, it's making a statement about, oh, horror movies made me did, made me do this and created... I mean, it's also saying that that's bullshit. And Kevin Smith is like, you know, these guys are here and this is their motivation, but that's fucking crap. Like, you can't blame, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty powerful thing. Like, it's, it wants you to take your own side on that. Yep. But, uh, but what about Randy? Why can't they find their pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Oh, my God. He's like... We were Randy, right? We were, yeah, that's like, he, like any horror fan's like uh, favorite guy is, is like someone who would just spurt out, you know... <laughs> People should watch prom night. They would save time. Yeah. Oh, my God. That scene alone is great. You know, it's just like... And the fact that he works in a video store, this is the day where like there's video stores where you could go and like, you know, look in the horror section and check things out. Now you're looking on a Netflix, you know, page like, oh, what movies are in the horror, you know, like on, on Netflix, on a, on a website. I miss those days where you can go into a place, you know? I do too, but yeah. I got I to mention something else here, Mike. Yeah, go for it. When I heard, when I, when I saw that um, this film the first time and I heard in the background, you know, you see Sydney, you see, and then you hear... Oh, the time has gone. Oh my God, the sound. that Gus Gus's remake of "Don't Fear the Reaper," which is obviously attributes Halloween as well. Yes, what a brilliant but version this, that is. This man. soundtrack too, man. We soundtrack talked, kicks ass. Yeah, we talked the about. I know what you did America. last summer. Mm-hmm. This soundtrack I listened to over and Still. over and over again. It's so good. Oh, yeah, it's... amazing. But yeah, that 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 makes it. I mean, it really makes it that much better. By the way, I don't know if you know this. Like a couple of interesting things. Jeannie Garofalo and Brooke Shields actually tried out for Gail Weathers' role. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And Rebecca Gayhart, remember her? Yep. Uh, who's in Urban Legend, among other things. Uh, she tried out for, I believe, Rose McGowan's, um, Rose McGowan's role. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I'm sure a lot of big names had to try out for this film because there was such a buzz going, right, from Kevin Williamson's script yeah. that uh, I think a lot of people wanted to be... This was like the It script back then, you know? Um and rightly yeah. so, rightly so. Yeah. So, Matt, something I wanted to ask you about, how do you rate, you know, because there were four, there were three sequels to this. Um, how would you rate the screen movies? All right. So I'm going, I'm going to go one by a hair, two, four, three. Okay. But yeah. definitely, definitely three is the worst of the, of the yeah, four. Yeah. Three is kind of the boring one, right? And it's like sort of a, like, like a. I mean, I liked a it. A desperate, you know. I own it. I like ending. it. Yeah, no, I own them too. I, I would probably say, I'd probably agree with you. The only thing is I'd maybe swap four for two. I figured you would. Because, I, you know, four, a lot of people hate four, but I think four is so close to the original. Four is great. It has the same tone as the original. It's really well done. But, but yeah, I remember hearing when four was coming out, it was kind of like, oh, God, what are they doing? You know, after three, I was just like worried. But when it came out, we were both pleasantly surprised. Oh, it was a great film. Yeah. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, it was good. But yeah, I, this Scream is definitely, might be in my top five all-time favorite horror movies. What, what would you say? I would say it's pretty damn close. Probably, I would say top 10 maybe, but yeah. definitely. Uh, and bo- uh, box office, budget to box office, it was $15 million approximately. And gotcha. it made 173 oh, my million. Oh God, like think of the, no wonder why they rushed well, to make two, you know? Yeah. 
during the course of our podcast, we definitely want to get a little more um, obscure with our films. But, Absolutely. But there's no escaping. I mean, unless we say up front, you know, we're, okay, we're going to do top five, except we can't use that one. Right. You know, so we're not going to really talk about Scream in the future or so many because we want to, we do want to discuss so many other films that we love. There's so many, like, yeah, there's so many that we, we, we realize with these top fives we, we might not get to touch on. So we're going to come up with some creative top fives to sort of work some of these out of the woodwork, right? But, but for us, though, this is such an important film in our, it's a touchstone film in our lives. Oh, my God. Well, this was, this was a game changer. It yeah. really was. It was a game changer for horror. Yeah, the whole self-aware thing and the references. I mean, that that wasn't really done excessively. Before no, because nobody thought to do it, and it was so clever of Kevin to kind of think outside the box and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to think outside the box and bring attention to this right to the screen," right. which was great. So, yes, yeah, Scream number one uh, of our top five party horror films. Yes, which is great. Um, so, Matt, I'd like to announce. Um, our next podcast, which is not going to be you and I talking. Right. Um, I had a, a great opportunity to interview um, Neil Affleck, who was the original Axel in My Bloody Valentine. From 1981. Yes. That's amazing. So we're going to release that. I'm editing it right now. That'll probably go up maybe next week or the week after. And by so, the way, I haven't heard this yet, so I am. No, Matt hasn't heard it. He's excited. He was such a nice guy. I really want to thank him for giving us... Uh, he gave me almost an hour of time. That's amazing. So it's a really great, great uh, interview. The one thing that I don't know if people know about Neil is he went on... Uh, he, he started as an animator, actually, and then went into acting. And Canada, um, did My Bloody Valentine, did a couple other things. Then he moved to Hollywood and got back into animation, went to film school and really got dove into to animation. And he uh, did a bunch of work, but most notably, he worked on The Simpsons right. as an animator and a director and right. family guy. And remember that show, The Critic, that was like a popular yes, show? Yes, The Critic, yeah. Yeah, he did that as well. Um, but now he's living, I uh, think, up in Montreal, and he has a daughter, and he's just sort of... He's doing like little kid shows. He's done like Miss, Sp- Miss Spider's Sunny yeah, Patch. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's doing some stuff. kid shows. And Mike the Knight, I think he did. A yeah. couple of. So he's he's still busy. But anyway, it's a really insightful uh, interview, and I'm excited to share it with everybody. It's going to be great. So that'll be our third podcast, and then we'll uh, we'll probably announce our fourth fourth podcast you know what we're going to cover and what our top five will be uh you know going forward on our website at alone in the dark podcast.com rock and roll um and then please if you can uh if you want to guess our screenshot of the week go onto our website and uh you know submit to us and let us know if you can guess i think it's pretty it's easier this week uh so i think a lot of people yeah, get I think it so too. but uh yeah so you'll get a little shout out probably not on the neil fleck uh podcast but the one following and then uh, definitely check our website out for you know some great reviews and some awesome news about you know upcoming horror films coming out or on streaming, uh, you know Netflix DVD and just Blu-ray releases. We're going to pay attention you know pretty clearly to all the Scream Factory stuff coming out, uh, which I'm super excited about. I know that the um, Sleepaway Camp is coming out in May, which I really can't wait. Oh so, man, that's right. So hopefully maybe we can do like a little Sleepaway Camp review or kind of sneak sleep sneak uh, Sleepaway Camp in there somehow. Yes. which will be awesome. Anything else you want to add, Maddie, before we go? I just want to add that if you find yourself alone in the dark, run. <laughs> I love it when you say that. Run to the light, Carolyn. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Hey, take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye.